You, you are about to witness an epic experience of music, wisdom, and insights flowing through your brain in four, three, two, one. Life Wisdom Radio and the Janiji Learning Center Online Wisdom Campus is proud to support this radio program. And now, broadcasting live from a vault containing a secret ancient wisdom library hidden in the tunnels below the Las Vegas Strip, it's the Howling Papa Pooch Radio Program, Howling and Growling on Air. We are back. I'm so grateful to have you here today. I come today without any crystals. <laughs> no lucky rabbit's feet. Good for the rabbit. No magic beans. No wizard's wand. No powerful incantations. <laughs> no alien technology. And most of all, no bull. Instead, I come to talk about who we are, not what we've had to become. As far back as anyone can remember, we have tried almost anything to overcome, heal, move beyond whatever was troubling us. We have tried everything except stop. The way back home inside is not based on us needing to do something. It's based on us not doing something. Stop trying to utilize your ideas, beliefs, tendencies, strategies, education, experiences, morals, or even your imagination. Stop. Stop everything and see what is still here and we'll talk more about that right after this you're listening to Alan with Papa Pooch radio program amazing journey we are going to take together today. Are you ready? Good. Each of us is a precious drop in the universal ocean of consciousness. And if, and if we fight this primary aspect of who we are, we suffer. In other words, when we fight reality, we suffer. And anyone, and I mean anyone who tries to fight reality, <laughs> would be like trying to tell the clouds not to move or the moon to stop spinning around the earth. Instead, it's up to us to embrace reality and then, if and when possible, create change through our interactions with reality, not against it. The problems of the physical body is nothing compared to the suffering that can be imagined and lived out in the mind. But I have a question, though. If there's no actual physical torments happening in the moment, then who's torturing us? Is it us? Our ability to imagine through the creation of ideas and beliefs could be likened to <laughs> that of a gourmet buffet at a fancy hotel here in Las Vegas. At first, you grab a clean plate, you know, your unpolluted mind. 
and begin to feast on ideas about culture and religion and government and relationships and family and more. And we see that this buffet is an unlimited number of items available to experience. But some of our choices are harmful. You ever get uh, uh, acid stomach? You ever have a, a problem with what you've eaten? It's the same thing. It's the same way. But yet we choose some of these problems over and over again. It's as if we never get full of heartburn or suffering caused by acting out on these beliefs. What is so amazing is that like the buffet, you get a new clean plate every time you go back for more. No different than waking up to a new day or celebrating a new year. Yet for some reason, we fill the new plate with old habits, wondering why very little changes in our lives. We must stop harming ourselves by this habitual pattern of behaving. We must see that we are our own torture at times. And I'm not saying there's not things outside of us that aren't problematic. But suffering and inner stability about those things all depend on how we use our mind. Not knowing who you are is actually the way back to that which you already are. <laughs> Sounds confusing? Well, not really. That is, if you're, looking, if you're looking to find out who you really are versus what you've become. And uh, <laughs> if you can notice, I, I was at an event last night speaking, so my voice is a little hoarse today. We'll work through it because I've got an amazing show for you today. It has been said that the deepest truth of who we are is that. <clears throat> Pure potentiality. An ocean of abstract being not yet collapsed into a state of physical existence. Yet here we are with a body and a mind. So at this moment, we are that which is true potentiality and that which potentiality collapsed on to exist as a human being. At first, a baby is just pure awareness operating out of a physical body. Then at about age two, something changes. It's about at this age when a baby looks in a mirror and all of a sudden notices a change. A change takes place they gain an understanding that what's being reflected in the mirror is part of them. And a new idea is born. I am the body. Then later on in life, we experience another idea. I am the mind. This conditioning is a social norm. Taking what was once a mind devoid of illusionary ideas and then uploading ideas that for most people create beliefs and behavior about separation helplessness and lack that were not inherent in the baby when it was born. To go deeper, this conditioning creates stereotypical roles and lifestyles that in reality don't exist except by the belief and the acting out of it. They don't exist in real life. We're born into beliefs, not with them. Now, to help clarify this, think of what the difference might be long-term. If teaching the child initially, whatever they received, was that they have a body instead of that they are the body. Or that it's not them in the mirror, instead it's a reflection of their body. How many parents unknowingly tell the child that it's them in the mirror? Children take things literally. When do you think the process of forgetting really started? You might want to sit on that for a moment. When did the process of us truly, and I'll use the word forgetting, 
really started? When did that process start? Now, after a while, this false persona begins to play out in many ways. Take two people who fall in love. Now, prior to meeting, they, were, they may have been single. And odds are, go by their first and last name. Then they meet someone and they fall in love. Yay! Now they're a couple. And for some, their last name changes. <laughs> of course, they may also acquire romantic names such as Honey Bunny or Sweetness. <laughs> of course, if you're not careful, they might also acquire other names that, you know, are used with four-letter words. <laughs> but I digress. So let's look at how our identity might change depending on who we're with or the circumstances that we're in. First, let's look at when a parent becomes a parent. Now, you might be surprised what you're about to realize. Are you ready? All right, here we go. It's the child who changes the name of the two people in a relationship and not the other way around. It's the child who gives birth to the idea of mother and father. Because without the idea of child, parents don't exist. Again, until there's a child, parents don't exist. The child comes first. Yes, the parents may have conceived the birth of a body, but the idea of the child gives birth to the idea of a parent. Just ask yourself, do couples who don't have children say that they're parents? <laughs> if they do, they might be referring to a pet. So being a, a parent might be really talking about something else. It's the same ideas with a pet or a child or whatever the couple is using to identify or justify the use of the word parent. They couldn't do so without the child or the object or pet. This is how the idea of who we are changes from moment to moment. Yet there's a stable truth of who you are that is beyond all of these concepts and ideas. Just look at how you might go from being a lover in the morning to an employee in the daytime to being a son or daughter at that night when you're visiting your parents. And before you go home, you might stop at the grocery store to buy food and all of a sudden you're a consumer. It might be wise to take a moment to see just how many concepts, labels, ideas, and roles you've taken on since you were first born. Look at how many hats or identities you wear. How can who you really are be an idea or an identity that comes and goes? Now, the question is this. Who are you? Are you the one who acts out these concepts? Are you the concept itself? Now, take a moment to describe the real you, haha, without using any concepts to do so. Remember, you can't use language that represents anything that comes and goes. Nor can you use labels or names or ideas or beliefs or judgments. Are you what comes before any concept? Now, though we're about to go to break in a, in a minute, I'd like you to ponder on this. Concepts, thoughts and feelings and ideas. And our behaviors, all of these things, come and go. But the deeper question is this. Who still remains? Let's take a moment to look at this. Let's go slow and allow this insight to arise within you. Person. Who perceives person? Thought. Who perceives thought? Awareness. 
who perceives awareness. Once awareness is aware of awareness, mind and body in the world of people, places, and things disappear. These aspects of the world may not disappear to others, but in that moment, you shift from the world of what comes and goes to that which always remains. Awareness or consciousness, as it's typically referred to, is the space in which all phenomena comes and goes. You're like the sky, having clouds that come and go, yet the sky is never affected by the clouds that pass through it. This is your true nature. Mind, body, and the world pass through consciousness like the sky. Peace and love is inherent within all of us. You'll never realize your true nature by utilizing the ego. You must go beyond to do so. I'm glad you're here, and we'll continue our journey together in just a moment. Call now. Call now. Call in now. 888-429-5471 to speak to Papa Pooch. Hello. Hello. try to to find peace and love through the acquisition of people and products and experiences. We try to find stability by living out ideas and acting out behaviors that never last. After all, we get tired of trying to find peace and stability and we start feeling helpless and depressed or maybe even give up. Why bother? Because our attempts never produce absolute results. We try so hard to force things that come and go to last forever. And because this never works, we're willing to try almost anything to end the pain and suffering caused by all of this. However, the false I am made up of the ideas and concepts that you've been trying to live by don't actually exist except by the belief that they do. We have beliefs about beliefs. It's like Santa. (laughs) Santa believing in the tooth fairy. We've got beliefs about beliefs. I mean, think about that. A personal example of this would be if, uh, I don't know, say your name. Uh, Maybe your name is George. It's just an example. If your name's George, we love you. But what the heck is a George? Other than it being a name that we made up from the language that we created. Go ahead. Go find George in nature. Is there something out there that's inherently has the property or of George already built into it? No. Is there a way to prove that this is true? Okay. Are you ready? Simply take away the idea, the name, and all the other concepts of George, and then ask yourself, what's left? Does George still remain? No. But what the word George points to remains. Ah. Now to go further, 
if you stop thinking about a person, place, or a thing called George, does it disappear from your awareness? <laughs> yeah. I mean, go ahead. Maybe you know somebody named George. Think about them. Now, they're not with you right now. Think about them. The more you think about them, the more real they feel, right? And then you stop thinking about this idea of George, and you think about something else. I don't know, pecan pie? And all of a sudden, what, what disappears? George disappears, and now he's replaced by a pie. Because when you stop being aware of it, if it's only a concept, regardless if it's a physical object or even a mental idea, it disappears, that is, until you place it back into your awareness. Odds are <laughs> your car is still parked outside, even though you may not have been thinking about it until I reminded you. The entire time that you've been listening here, maybe the physical sensation of your shirt was on your shoulders. But until I brought these things to your attention, did your present moment reality include them? What happens once you start thinking about something else? Do the previous objects and body sensations and concepts that you were thinking about before disappear? Yeah. And the more you understand how this function works, past trauma, pain, and all the rest, can be dealt with quite differently than how you've been taught to deal with them. Now, another aspect of this is that we have false beliefs that say our abilities, how we function, such as logic and wisdom and conscious awareness, learning and more, and our ability to adapt and change, that depending on the person or the thing we're dealing with, that it changes. It's like saying that because I'm dealing with you, I don't have my ability for wisdom. Now, if I go deal with the other person, I can be rational. If I go somewhere else, I can be logical and, and have greater intelligence and greater wisdom, but once I deal with you, it's all gone, it's out the window. But it's not true. These things are still here always. Think about this. The additional insight gained from this will be astonishing. Is it true that ideas can transfer properties like heat or cold can in the physical world? Can somebody else feeling angry actually make me angry? Can their properties of angry transfer to me? Now, if you can, go to the refrigerator here after the show and take out a piece of ice. And then go find a piece of paper and write the word cold on it. C-O-L-D. Now, place the ice cube in the palm of one hand <laughs> and the piece of paper with the word cold on it on the other hand. Does the Ice have physical properties that we called cold built directly into the ice you have in one hand. Can the ice that you took out of the freezer transfer the properties of cold to the hand? Yes. And then reverse the properties of heat that's built into your hand, as you'll soon witness as the ice melts. It'll transfer. So in the first part of this experiment, we have seen that the physical objects have built into them actual properties that can transfer to another physical object. But in our mind, it doesn't feel heat or cold, regardless of our belief about it. Now let me explain. When the cells in the body, and in this experience we're using the hand, is placed near fire or holds a piece of ice, the cells have a physical experience. <clears throat> in reality, fire and ice can transfer properties of heat and cold directly to the hand. However, what if the hand with a piece of paper was word cold on it? What if that's a different experience? Does the idea of cold, the word cold, 
have the same properties of cold built into the ideal word that the physical ice did? Can you get frostbite from the word cold? If you think about the word fire, do you get burned? When you think about, or someone says the word water, you better get an umbrella. When I say the word water, do you get wet? No. We make believe, we've been taught it to be true, that mental ideas about objects or people have the same properties as actual physical reality. It's like saying, my thought of a tree is the same as a tree. That because I think you're something, that you're actually that something. But it's not true. Now let's go a little deeper. Change the word on the napkin to that of the word anger or depression. Look at the word anger. Do the properties of what we call anger actually exist in the letters of the word? No. If we didn't add physical speech or behavior to the word anger or depression, what would happen? Please, sit with this for a moment. This is life-changing. If all we experienced was the word, what would happen? Now, though we're going to go to a break here in a minute or so, let me add this. Can words do anything in and of themselves? Yes, no. Can the idea of anger or depression by itself cause you to be angry or depressed? An idea is made up of thoughts, but it's typically an individual thought or idea. But it can't do anything on its own. We must connect ideas and thoughts together like a train. There's got to be a beginning and an end. It's like all the boxcars in between. The first thought is like the locomotive. It's the engine that starts the process of connecting all of the other thoughts together. Then for the main part, the train or the boxcars, they're connected to the locomotive, representing all of our other thoughts about how we feel and what to say or how to physically act out, whatever these thoughts represent. And the caboose is the end of the train. That's the outcome that we wanted after thinking, feeling, and doing all of that. Let's look at this in action. If you accidentally break a glass or get angry or frustrated about it, do the pieces of glass have the properties of anger or frustration built into the glass? Like an ingredient uh, in the recipe for making glass. Can something inside of you or I should say, outside of you, actually make you angry or depressed? Can a broken glass outside of you make you angry or depressed? Can the thought about the broken glass actually make you angry or upset? No. Because you have to add a behavior to it. That's the second thought. That's the third thought. If it's true, then when you make glass, Wouldn't you need to add sand? I mean, it's like a recipe, sand and heat, and then two parts anger, a smidgen of frustration, voila. You get a glass and when it's broken, will make you angry. But it's not true. It's just not true. But the dilemma is that most people don't understand how to use their mind. They use it against them, not for them. There's no physical properties like cold or heat being transferred from one person to another. Instead, it's the idea that spreads. We have mistaken the idea of something as being the same or equal to the thing itself. We create realities in our mind that others can't see, and we blame them for our own creation. (laughs) 
thank goodness there's a way out of this madness. And we'll be right back right after this. Call now. Call now. Call in now. 888-429-5471 to speak to Papa Pooch. Hello. Hello. everything that we're talking about today is that there are actual steps that you can take to gain control back over your mind and your emotions. Now, we want stability back in our lives. We don't have time to search the world for answers or to go by trial and error, hoping that we get lucky and stumble on the answers. Deep inside, we know that it just doesn't work that way. We're busy living and surviving and paying bills and juggling so many things that the road ahead of us needs to get right to the point. We don't have time for time. So the path ahead must be easy to understand and have a system that we can count on to find solutions. We need practical answers right away. Our lives depend on it. And for a decade, I've taught this very system to tens of thousands of students who came to me for help. Many of these same people grew up on farms, big cities, other countries and neighborhoods just like you maybe. And they all found the outcome that they were looking for and in a way that they could maintain it and grow. This is the same life-changing system that I'll pass on to you. It's your turn to be truly happy. (laughs) No mental experience or, or lack or holes or brokenness needed. That's not the goal of this. Now, if you're just joining us, we started this discussion saying that Each of us is a precious drop in the universal ocean of consciousness. And we fight this primary aspect of who and what we are. And when we do so, we suffer. In other words, when we fight reality, we suffer. And anyone, anyone who tries to fight reality, as I said earlier, it's like trying to tell the clouds not to move or the moon to stop circling the earth. And as as I asked earlier, if there's no physical thing around that's tormenting us, then who's tormenting us except for ourselves and our own mind? We must stop harming ourselves. And sometimes we don't even call it harm anymore. Now we've got fancy names for it called anxiety and stress and worry and doubt. These things seem so normal. We don't even call it suffering anymore. Suffering is really dependent on how we use our mind. It's it's amazing to realize that depression and arguments and all the rest are all based on beliefs and perception, all of which we can change. And if it can change, it means it's not absolute. Yet we act like it is. We say, my life will never get better. I'll always feel this way. It's not true. It's amazing that this I, I think, I feel, I want, I need, can only achieve the idea of freedom, 
Whereas the true self isn't an idea. There's no duality of bondage or freedom. However, it seems like a shift occurred. See, originally that I or I am pointed to existence, the true self. But now it points to ideas, concepts, a mind and body. I am angry. I like you. I don't like peas. I feel pain. You'll never find the original I am in the collection of concepts that make up the mental I am. It is amazing to understand that we are the perceiver, but never what's being perceived. When the mind is seen as I am, and the body is seen as I am, this mind-body identification is the beginning of confusion and separation. We mistakenly use as language the concept of I. Sick. Body's angry. I'm angry. We use this I as the same original I that pointed to conscious awareness. No one ever taught you that you exist. I mean, let's find out. Do you exist? I mean, it's a whole different way of thinking. Wherever you're sitting right now, do I exist? Yeah, you exist. Did you need a concept to do that? Did you need an idea of gender? Did you, did you need to have a particular type of car or a certain amount of money in your bank account? You, you exist. You know you exist. It's not dependent on anything. Now, if you're driving right now listening, don't change seats. But, but if you're at home right now listening or somewhere, scoot over an inch. Hey, you don't need more. And ask, do I still exist here? Yeah. Concepts didn't need to change. Name didn't need to change. No money in the bank account. There is a difference between the I of the self, that inner being, and the I that points to this egoic self that is dependent on things. I am consciousness is the firstborn, so to speak, and the killing of the firstborn so that the secondborn ego can live has occurred for thousands of years. Kings and popes and more have helped create a false identity to produce an identity separate from your deepest truth, creating an artificial identity. Political and cultural religion are all packages. These are set of beliefs lumped together to create a type of person, a false self. It's said that you must be born again. You must be born again to the conscious awareness of the original I being your true nature. We're not talking religion. We're not talking dogma. We're just using certain language and pointers from those religions to try and help you find a deeper understanding. When the I am a person, I am a religion, I am a culture, I'm a political party, is the final answer and accepted as the only truth there could be, there's nowhere else to go. When I am my nature body or my nurture mind is what's seen as the only reality possible. Now, being a cultural norm handed down from generation to generation, it's no wonder we see the problems that we do in the world around us. Look at the news lately. We live in a world where our conditioned belief systems are not challenged, and if they do, we fight back. We protect the idea of us because we don't know the real us. Yet, self-inquiries go beyond the I am of the ego to realize the original I am. Self-discovery, this is the ancient method of self-inquiry. Now, before we go to break, let me offer you this insight. 
you can easily tell how someone identifies either as their true self or the ego. Wouldn't it be nice to know who you're talking to? <laughs> who showed up at the party? Who showed up to work today? Who are you dating? Wouldn't it be nice to know who's here? Because a couple of examples of this would be this. Now, please listen carefully. When someone says, my body's tired versus I am tired, one version is that they have a body. The other is saying that I am the body. I recognize my thoughts that may represent anger versus I am angry. One is I have a mind. The other is I am the mind. Your thoughts arise to us or as us. Do body sensations rise to us or as us? The mistake or original sin, sin meaning lie. Look this up. I mean, <laughs> I've got... There's a dozen computers around me. I've got a bunch of people here. They're running mics and sound, and, and we're taping this over here uh, with a camera for something else that we're going to be doing. I mean, there's actually a lot going on here. And you have to understand that no matter what's happening, I have a mouse next to me and several. And before when I grew up on a farm, a mouse was something with two ears and a tail. And then all of a sudden, and I guess I'll give my age, watching the Mickey Mouse Club on black and white television, all of a sudden to me, now a mouse is a cartoon. And all of a sudden now a mouse is something I use with my computer. We've changed the meaning of the idea of sin. From the birth of the body to the moment of looking in the mirror at about age two, we think we're the body. But you have a body. You're not the body. It was you in the mirror. As we were told this. It's your nose. Now you're the body. I think. I feel. Now I'm the mind. When the focus of your existence is on the look and feel and sensations, we dress it up. We feed it. We play with it with other bodies. <laughs> And when the body is sensation or feeling, we say, I'm hungry. I hurt. But you're just experiencing these things. Oh, what joy. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Life Wisdom Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. you back. What a wonderful day to free ourselves of illusions and issues and problems and drama. 
that, that come from seeing these illusions as being more real than actual reality. Now, to continue along this amazing journey that we're having together, we spoke last segment a lot about the body. And this time, I want to talk a little bit more about the mind. Mind identification started when the intuitive eye changed to the word I. The word I also includes another word combination that we usually use, I am. <laughs> now this word combination includes concepts like I am angry, I am depressed, and so on. With the mind identification, another object was created. Your name identification. This new object called you is virtual. It's not like the body. It's got no physical component. This is the idea of you. We've been conditioned to identify as who we are as a physical and virtual object. We are the body that feels and we're the mind that is what we think and believe. The greater this combination of false identification has become within the individual, the further that we've gone from the truth of who we are. And the suffering and problems created by this is enormous for most people. Today, the social belief that we are our mind's content and the body is far removed from our true inner peace and our true nature. The illusion of separation from who we really are results in the fear of death and the creation of religion and spirituality is somehow to remind you of your own truth and divinity. However, these same pathways have been polluted, causing further havoc. We don't know what to believe anymore. We don't know what to do anymore. In addition, due to this illusion of separation, chaos has emerged, causing the appearance of what might be called mental illness and physical addiction, causing the need for relief, which is never fully realized as the actual relief is needed, what's actually needed, and I'll say this again, what's actually needed is the realization of the original I that is beyond the mind and body identification. The shift back to the original source of I am consciousness negates the need for objects or band-aid solutions. Now wholeness and peace has been restored as the illusion of who you are has been replaced by truth. Original sin is the creation of idols, false gods, devil, ego, and to be mind-body identified, causing vanity and lust and greed and more. We love other than our true self. But when the mind identifies as the word or concept I, mental beliefs and physical, physical objects are now loved. We make these false things, these ideas, to be more true than who we are. We see and believe that we're separated from what you might call God. There's a teaching out there. This is my father and I are one. And it doesn't matter if you look to Buddhism, Hindu, I don't care where you go, Christianity or more. If you're Muslim or, or don't believe in anything, there's still the original you here beyond any belief about something or the belief about nothing. We are the original I. We are the great I am, not the lesser egoic I am. This is the journey back home that we must all take. It is the most important journey of all. <laughs> and look at what we're trying to do to find our way back home inside. We look to others because we haven't figured it out for ourselves. 
The problem is that we blindly follow people or methods, never knowing where they're going to lead us. But, uh, you know, advertising said that it's going to work, sounded good, so we believe it. Did you know that the original purpose of yoga wasn't to treat symptoms like stress or soreness or giving relief? Bringing attention to the mind and body or to be conscious of body position in present moment awareness or to bring the mind's focus to present moment awareness through today's idea of meditation and yoga, it's a good beginning. There's nothing wrong with these things. But the original purpose of yoga and meditation has nothing to do with the mind or body. These are simply disposable vehicles. Instead, the purpose is to bring attention to our attention, to be aware of our awareness. Present moment awareness to that which is beyond mind and body, our true self. To be conscious, to be consciously conscious of consciousness. But today's version offers, I don't know, momentary joy and peace, maybe? But any situational happiness wears off, yet the absolute, the truth of who you are, is peace beyond all understanding. What is the yoga pose that moves one beyond the mind and body to bring conscious attention to consciousness? What meditation will do that? Ask yourself this, and I'm not putting anything down. I believe in these things. I, I, I have taught and learned many things through the process of yoga and meditation, and I recommend them. But what's happening today is not the way it should be. Because you have to ask yourself, what position should my body be at home you know, I'm at home suffering, I'm angry, upset, depressed, and I'm in this position. But for some reason, if I move my butt this way, point it up in the air, or my arms go this way, and now I'm not at home, but I'm in a yoga studio in a different position, how the heck is it that because my body's in a different position, I'm healed now? It's not true. Or the fact that I'm thinking of something at home that's making me upset, and I go somewhere and pay somebody money. Now they're teaching me how to just say a mantra. And now I'm not upset. Let me tell you this. I've been doing this a long, long time. And all that is, is the difference between a happy mind made me versus an unhappy mind made me. There's still a doing required, which is why people have to keep doing these things over and over and over. They believe. They believe. And we bought into it. I did for years until my teachers, real teachers, not ones looking for followers, not ones looking for devotees, individuals that care about your only thing, your conscious awareness. You waking up inside. That's it. Same here. We must detach from these ideas about the mind and body to find the self without completely letting go of attachment of, of the mind and body. We still identify as the ego, not as our authentic self. All positions are perceptions. It's still part of the collapse. It's still a position. Therefore, the true self is yet to be realized. We take positions. I'm whole. I'm not whole. I'm happy. I'm not happy. I like. I don't like. <laughs> I had a student the other day go, yeah, you know, my position is I don't like marshmallows in my beer. Good example. Anyone will do. But if he doesn't have the marshmallows in his beer or drink or tea or kombucha or anything that you have, I like it. But if there are, I won't. See, your true self has no position. There's no position. 
The very nature of taking a position or an identity creates opposition. And there has to be an inversion to these other positions. To lose opposition is to lose the position. To lose the position is to lose the identity which has taken it. This is the end of suffering. Now, although we're going to close today's show here in just a moment, I'd like to offer this. Listen for the many beliefs and enforcer beliefs that will be uttered by everyone around you. Watch them. Listen to them. Truly hear them. See how mentally bound to the ideas and beliefs that they live by. See what they believe they can and cannot do by the beliefs they live by. Watch them. Talk about ideas as if these same ideas or beliefs are the only reality or possible view possible. And then they'll suffer over the very ideas that come across their lips. They are, odds are, mentally bound to the illusion of an identity that's harming them and holding them back. Free will, personal choice, or anything that allows for individualized expression is frowned upon. But this is your true nature. We act as if we must live by the herd mentality or the neighborhood. If you believe that you're helpless and need someone else to care for you, then you will develop life circumstances that will allow for those beliefs to come true. We are the one recruiting people in situations to match our mental identity. I know it's hard to believe, but we really have drawn everyone to us. Life is really nothing more than a reflection of the thoughts and beliefs that we've acted upon. We no longer need to suffer. Most of all, you can be part of the solution, not the problem, through the realization of your true self. Thank you for joining us today. And before we go, please remember this. You're only an inside away <laughs> for making the discovery of a lifetime. See you next time. As this week's episode comes to an end, it's time to close the vault to the Ancient Wisdom Library and start the barbecue grill and be grateful for the time we've shared together. And as loyal listeners and fans of the Howling with Papa Poot show, we'd like to offer you a free gift. On behalf of the tens of thousands of amazing people who have attended the Janiji Learning Center Online Wisdom Campus, please go to My Free Gift. That's, that's myfree.gift to receive a special present from Papa Pooch. Please join us next week for more life-changing wisdom, music, and more. And remember, you're only an insight away from making the discovery of a lifetime. <laughs>